Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Crafted on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today, we are talking about an American company with a 125-year history and one very remarkable story. It's hard to imagine too many companies and product lines that started with more humble and mundane origins that then later found the most exotic and also the most hardcore users. And joining me today to talk about all of this is the president of Bagbalm, Libby Parent. Now, Libby is remarkable in her own right. She's also a whole lot of fun. And in our conversation, in addition to learning more about this product with countless uses, you are going to get to hear a great lesson on how to steward a company with such a deep history into the modern world while walking the fine line of staying true to its origins and yet also being willing to evolve and adapt. There is lots of food for thought in this one and a couple of laughs along the way too. This episode of Crafted is presented by our Blister Craft Collective, which is a collection of some of our favorite craft companies and some of the very best companies across a range of craft categories that support the independent work that we do here at Blister. One such company is Bravis Brewing Company, which was the first non-alcoholic brewery started in the United States, and today, Bravis is still making some of the very best NA beers that we have ever come across. You can learn more about Bravis and the rest of our Blister Craft Collective companies on our website, and we'll also include a link to the Craft Collective in the show notes of this episode. So check them out, because we are confident that some of these companies are going to become some of your favorite companies, too. And now, let's talk about cow udders and chickens and fashionistas and hardcore athletes with Libby Parent. Here we go. Well, Libby, very happy to have you here today on Crafted, and I am really excited to dive down this uh, lengthy history of bag balm with you. And so let's just get into it. Tell us a bit about the origin story of this company. Sure. Uh, so bag balm was actually born on a dairy farm in 1899 in the Northeast kingdom of Vermont. And uh, everyone knows Vermont is cold, but like Northeast kingdoms, next level, next level. Frigid. Cold. Yeah. And uh, basically, you know, it was, it was, created to soothe dairy cow udders so that they could withstand those insane temperatures. Um, and, you know, it uh, was founded on a farm just as like a single farmer's special, you know, special sauce, if you will. And then it was, um, it was bought by the Norris family and they um, basically, you know, bought the rights to sell it and, started creating even more products. It was definitely a farm and animal focused brand for 60 years at least. Um, and obviously farming and dairy farming was huge in Vermont, um, still is, but uh, certainly then. 
and uh you know that the family really grew it and the the legend is that in the 60s farmers wives were like why the hell are my husband's hands softer than mine uh that's not right what's he using and uh it was the bag bomb so that's sort of when it came into the home and started being used more as a human skincare um regimen i mean it was still human and animal for a really long time um but that's sort of when it really made its way in into the home but we never left the bag bomb name we get that question a lot mm-hmm. why is it called bag yeah. bomb it's very literal as you can tell yeah. <laughs> um, and uh certainly unique and iconic once you know it you don't you don't forget it <laughs> yeah and I, I i don't know if you know this about me libby i am not a dairy farmer um, I d- I'm shocked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> though I do have a, like 300 cows in my backyard. Um, so uh, <laughs> I, I'm a big, big fan of my neighborhood cows here. But um, I guess I didn't really realize how widespread of a problem it was to keep uh, cow udders well balmed. But apparently it was at least large enough to say uh, this is a product that could be sold up to you know, my fellow neighbor dairy farmers in Vermont. So I I don't know if we know the total addressable market of this product, you know, back in the late 1800s. But um, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, no, totally. And and certainly dairy farming is entirely different now, right? Um, I think it was, uh, I actually, um, oddly enough, I, my great, great, great-grandfather owned the largest dairy farm in the state in 1865. And at that time, it was 300 cows. So today, that would be a very small farm. (laughs) Um, But I mean, when everything was so much more manual. Yeah. So it was something that was easily, like, you could actually address this issue that your cows were having because you were manually milking them every single day. Uh, I also am not a dairy farmer. Oh. So even though that's my lineage, just yeah. to be clear, there is a silo in my backyard though. So my, I do live on what was once a farm. So. <laughs> I love, I love all you people. Uh, yeah, I haven't, uh, haven't. rural, rural living yeah, folks. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, it's, it's so different from the big city here of Crested Butte, you know? Um, huge. Yeah. Yeah, with our our massive skylines and and the like, but uh, <laughs> so it's not quite right. I mean, the the product didn't start as I mean some some history of some products started almost as an accident, right? This mm-hmm. didn't start as an, an accident. It it started with a very specific use, and then we just learned that turns out there's right. a lot more applications on this. I I like the anecdote. I had not heard that. The uh, I like the idea that farmers' wives were like, "Why are your hands so nice and supple?" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there probably were a lot of fights. Like you've just been hanging out at the bar all day, um, so I don't I don't quite know how how that would have played out all the time. But um, but from there then, uh, and you kind of were pointing to that. Maybe was that already fast forwarding into the nineteen sixties? That kind of anecdote. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, that's sort of the, the way the, the story is told. And I think what's interesting is we think that products for like animal skin would be drastically different than for human skin, yeah. but like really, why would they need to be? Um, and I think for us, 
the transition was so easy because the ingredients were already found in skincare products people were using um, because so much of our ethos is like, let's use as few ingredients as we can to deliver what um, the moisturizing effect. And that's, that's really now where we play, right? We've really evolved. Um, It really wasn't until like the probably 2016, 2017, when we started innovating in a, a meaningful way in human skincare, we really sort of uh, left behind some of the other animal products. Like we had a hoof softener, we had uh, minerals and vitamins for livestock. So, you know, it was a very much like a farm um, supply centric company. And uh, even as people started using us um, for their own skin, but really is in the, yeah, it was about 2016, 2017, we started innovating in different form factors for our formula um, or getting into soap and lotion, just other things where people like consumers want simple products that do a good job. And we've been around for 125 years because right. we do a really good job. Right. Uh, we, we work better. We work better and nothing else does. Um, we're definitely going to revisit the fact that you just said that a hoof softener existed <laughs> perhaps as late as 2016. No, that was early. No, okay. that was early. We discontinued that earlier. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I was like, that's a product I want to test actually. That could, that might be, we might find a new, yeah, a new use for, you know, those of us who wear really tight, uh, ski boots. Um, and I think that's, you know, Part of why we're doing this on the Crafted Podcast is um, the company has been around a really long time, but it's also, it is so different and unusual. Another thing that I love about this is, we talked about this actually the other day, you and I did. It seems like Bag Balm is really starting to make its way. You just spelled out really well, kind of the humble and very, you know, mundane uses and and the origins of this product but these days it's kind of cracked into the whole like i don't know for lack of a better term like fashionista circles Mm -hmm. and you know there are so many skincare products out there some of them are wildly expensive the people the you know runway models and folks who follow runway models this is sort of the, a world they play in. And yet bag balm of all things is, <laughs> and I, I personally know some of these people, right? Good. Who swear by this product. And this shocked me when I was like realizing this and hearing about this because yeah, those of us who go outside or like have trouble with things like blisters, which is my thing on my heels when ski touring in particular, that all felt a little bit closer to the world of like farmers and cow udders then mm-hmm. where it seems the product has <laughs> continued to reach these days. Totally. Thoughts on that? Does that resonate? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, yeah, and we definitely have very humble roots, certainly. <laughs> and we're still in Vermont. We're still made in Vermont. Our whole team is based in Vermont, um, which is also um, sort of counter to what you're, you know, talking about a yeah. little bit. But yeah, it's crazy. We've had is is early as like that we have written down right like the 90s um shania twain mentioned us she was interviewed about skincare Uh, women are off famous women are often interviewed about their skincare secrets and she kind of put us on the map in the 90s for 
um, like a public use. Like everyone knew us as this like farm secret, but like, man, do people really use it. And um, I think she was quoted saying she used to put it all over her face and hair, which power to her because it's going to take a bit to get out of your hair. But um, her hair looked great. So I got it. Wait a sec. The original bag balm product. Correct. The green little tins. Shania Twain was putting that in her hair? Yeah. For what? Like to style it or to? Yeah, kind of. Like if you think of any other balm, but if you're using it on your skin, I'm sure it was sort of just a quick, you know. We do see actually a lot on TikTok uh, uh, men using us for beards or hair too. So, you know, we are like traditional uses and what the way everyone thinks about us is like my grandma had it and if nothing else worked bag bomb would huh. it's like it's like the windex in my big fat greek wedding it's like just put windex. <laughs> we have so many stories of people who are like just put bag bomb on it and um that's like what people think of but then honestly like several female celebrities models that are interviewed talk about using us whether it be for their dry hands cracked heels but we get so much use for lips um, because, I mean, the products we have are proven, literally century proven yeah. ingredients for protecting skin, softening skin, moisturizing skin. Um, and we don't have a ton of other things that to stabilize. Like, it's not a complicated formula. It doesn't need a bunch of stabilizers and things all the time that that can sometimes prevent it from being as effective as it needs to be. Hmm. Uh, but we, I guess it was 2021. We we went, I hate saying we went viral. I feel like people use that very like nonchalantly. We'll let you use it once. This is your one time in the conversation. One time. I better remember not to say it again. Uh, There was this trend of slugging. Maybe it was 2022. I'm sorry. It was 2022, early 2022. And my social media gal was like, hey, we're like, things are going crazy for slugging. And I'm like, that's gross. What is that? Should we untag? Like, how do we... (laughs) not be associated with this and she's like no 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 all of these beauty enthusiasts basically do their whole skincare routine and then they put a lay like a petrol atom based product to lock everything in Uh. overnight and so we're getting a ton of traction for people using us that way and i was like okay so it is okay that we're associated with this this isn't like a gross she's like wow wait a sec um the (laughs) hell is slugging I just saw it's you put a all your stuff on, right? I don't know. I'm all your I don't stuff. Have a, yeah, moisturizers, your oils, your serums, it's like your nighttime skin routine, and then you lock it all in. Lock with it a petrol in. atom. And somebody decided this was called slugging. Yeah, I I actually don't know. I mean, I think it was a known thing. Like, and then it was a big thing in twenty. I feel like a lot of dermatologists were getting interviewed huh. about it. Um, and so a lot of our, um, you know, other players in the space were also getting a ton of, of love for it. Um, and then we actually had another moment earlier this year, um, you know, a huge influencer was talking about her Accutane journey and how our product was the only thing that uh. made her lips feel better. Uh. And it was nuts. Like the response is nuts. So what's so cool about this brand is, well, it really works, right? So when people use it, mm-hmm. there is such an immense affinity for it and loyalty. Um, but we have literally people that are 85 that have been using it yeah. forever, all the way down to, I mean, obviously there's younger people too, but we really are getting a ton of, of play in this sort of gen, mm-hmm. like 18 to 24 yeah. space. 
And what's cool for a small brand like ours is, I mean, social media is wild, but for small businesses, it's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. The opportunity it gives for us to tell our story and to reach these people that normally we probably wouldn't have been able to afford to do. Mm -hmm. I also think it's a bit interesting that, and I have to think that maybe this conversation has taken place at Bag Bomb. Like nobody has been like, yo, we're getting talked about and sort of put in league with a number of these super kind of sleek, sexy, hyper modern, you know, um, health and beauty product type of, of, of a space. Let's mm -hmm. either ditch the name and come out with a new product launch, right? That's not called Bag Bomb, or we'll keep the name, but we're going to try to like look all real super sleek and I don't know, LA or something. <laughs> Have these conversations not come around? And I mean, frankly, I think there's probably would be an opportunity there. Um, thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So I've worked on this business for four years um, and never in my four years has that been a conversation, huh. mainly because at our core, like authenticity is a hit. And anytime we think about innovating and it is hard, especially in a category like skincare, because there's always something new and trendy and proven, right? Like ingredients evolve over time. It's new things come out that are better or worse or, you know, what have you. But I think for us, because we, a lot of these newer brands haven't, don't have 125 years of history. And that's something that if we changed yeah. our iconic tin or our name, our story, like so much of that story, we wouldn't have anymore. Um, or the credibility. It's hard space to play in. Like it's expensive, but it's mm -hmm. also like a lot of, you know, you get a lot of, um, what did you say? The fashionista world. Like it's definitely, there can be a lot of, um, funny and like things that make it challenging for new brands. Uh, and I think for us, huh. what people love is like, we're just us. Yeah. We don't, we don't actually try to be, and you know, and you've talked to me enough now. I don't, I'm not good at pretending to be anything. I'm not yeah. either. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, I, I don't know. Uh, surely there are other examples in, you know, of American businesses that have, that have, I'm maybe not all that many that have been around as long as bag bomb, but where you find new users that, are so far afield from kind of the original origins of a product. And um, totally. that's pretty fascinating. And and it is, I mean, as you're talking about a really competitive market landscape, mm -hmm. it's already a built-in point of differentiation that mm -hmm. usually maybe, maybe not so wise to run away from your biggest totally. points of differentiation. What's, what's really cool, like what we're finding and is these pockets of like, I mean, outdoor enthusiasts is one where we've known yeah. we're being used, but we never, we never necessarily focused on it a ton. Like you have to pick and choose, right? It's hard to focus on everything. And when you say you're a product that works on a million things, can you really be a product for everyone? Yeah. That's like marketing 101, right? Mm -hmm. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> but we kind of are. And that's, I think, what's so cool. We went to a trade show a year ago, um, it was a running trade show. And people, the number of people that mm. were like, I thought I was the only one mm. that knew to just coat my feet in bag bomb before I do an ultra marathon. 
or before I go skiing. Like, I didn't know you guys knew I (laughs) used you like this. Mm -hmm. It was so validating for us in terms of when you think about being able to tell your story and talk, meet new consumers and provide a solution that they might be like, I've tried everything. Well, and I mean, we can say a little bit about kind of our backstory together. This was kind of the case here at Blister. Um, Several of our people were using bag balm products, ended up kind of talking to each other about that fact. And then I was like, well, let's, let's reach out. And, you know, and it was kind of hilarious, maybe to add more um, credibility to some of the things you've already said. You were kind of like, we are really, have a really good product, but we ourselves aren't necessarily like exactly (laughs) in this hardcore ski, hardcore mountain bike demographic. Like, and you were pretty cautious about this. Like we, for the reasons maybe you just said, like, and we're like, nah, believe us. We have um, an audience where, you know, and it's what we do at Blister is like, our job is to just put good consumer product information out there, inform Mm -hmm. people, let them go make their own decisions. Um, Mm -hmm. But when it's like, well, this is what we're actually using. It just seemed to make sense. Like, Hey, let's, you know, let's, let's talk and um, see about kind of working together. And, and and, yeah, yeah. I was just going to, yeah. I mean, I, I certainly, I, we actually have a couple folks on the team that are definitely like, they were like, blister, this is so cool. Like, uh, it, it just wasn't me. <laughs> and I, I grew up in Vermont. I, you know, ninth generation Vermonter. So I definitely grew up on the mountain, but, um, it's just my, yeah, my life has evolved. I, I didn't want to feel like we were forcing something. It's always as you're I, so much for us, it has to feel right. And, yeah. Uh, if the, the biggest proof for me was when you were like, no, I just used it. Yep. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah. okay. All yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, Gear 30 listeners know our Blister Summit director, Kristen Sinnott. She grew up in New Hampshire, really, really close to really close Bag Bombs headquarters in Lindenville. And, you know, Kristen was another, when, when I started talking to Kristen about it, she's like, dude, that product was in my house the from the day i was born and came home <laughs> and um you know and i was telling her that i started using it and also listeners of gear 30 know this but for me um you know we have to review these ski touring boots and reviewing boots is the hardest thing we do at blister probably but for me like just given the shape of my heels virtually not virtually Every new ski touring boot I have to go review, I start getting blisters on the inside of my heels. It happens every single time. And we tried, I've been trying a couple of different things because it actually, if it's a long tour, I'm actually pretty wrecked by the time I get Mm -hmm. back down. And then if the next day I'm supposed to be skiing inbounds, testing stuff, I've created monster, monster (laughs) blisters that actually really hurt. So this was one of the things I found, like quick, quick dabs on the inside of the heels, put socks on, go. And that so far has solved a problem for me. So you can add that to your weird list of like, oh, That's- I didn't know that that was a thing. Um, and and- we definitely got a long list of weird things. That's that's more normal than some of the ones we've heard. Okay. So that's great. <laughs> well, do you care to share? <laughs> do you care? Oh, yeah. 
it's uh it's it runs the gamut you know like we uh i think there's one was it well we had a story and now i'm forgetting the source of like you know during world war ii it was used to like prevent corrosion on rifles and like we do hear that from people huh. um or like uh shining boots like use it to like freshen up their boots creaky doors huh um <laughs> there's like a whole there's a bunch of other uh what's the nsfw or something not safe not, not suitable safe for, for work. work okay not suitable for <laughs> i mean it's it's oh, i guess it is still working hours even in, in on the east coast um okay uh <laughs> I think we'll let our imaginations roam, yeah. perhaps. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about the formula and this history. Mm -hmm. And I'm really interested. You've said we use very simple ingredients proven over time, few ingredients. But talk a little bit about kind of, I guess, that original bag balm formula and any mm -hmm. changes to the formula. Yeah. So, I mean, as you would imagine, a lot has changed since. 1899 like the first speeding ticket given in 1899 was for someone going 16 miles an hour so it just like puts in perspective right a lot changes and so certainly for us wait like, is that a fact or are you just making I, stuff th that's up? sarah that's what sarah my my marketing guru she she looked up some awesome facts about what else was going, going on, on in 1899 i think there was like a butch cassidy fact too and i can't remember what it was uh there were some doozies though uh I might have got my numbers wrong, but it was in a t it was in the teens that the speed limit. I know that. Okay. The, the speeding, uh, uh, <laughs> speed. Yeah. So anyway, we obviously like the family evolved over time as you learn one, what things are working and not working. Um, and then also just you learn things, um, uh, about different ingredients and, and how people respond. Mm -hmm. But, you know, our, the core of our, original formula is usp grade petrol atom um, that is by far one of is the proved like best skin protectant proven right um and there's obviously a lot of other options uh in that space but it's been in it since day one um and then you know lanolin which is made from sheep's wool is a very expensive ingredient but it is the it's a it's sort of a emollient uh and an occlusive which are like fancy skincare terms for it either keeps things out huh. or helps bring things in huh. and uh lanolin sort of does does both um and that is another thing that's just been in it um from day one and you know we also have paraffin which is very if you the fashionista world knows there's lots of paraffin pedicures and huh. manicures it's very good for for soothing and softening skin and then we have a small amount of um, like a antimicrobial, hmm. but that's it. Um, that's our original formula. And we haven't changed since 1988 was the last change we made. And, and we don't take changes lightly, mm -hmm. um, certainly. And as we learn more and as things evolve, we always want to make sure we're, we're delivering to, to our fans and our loyalists. Um, but we definitely don't take change lightly. As you can see, we haven't changed anything. Yeah. <laughs> we still shovel 3,900 pounds of petrol atom. Like so much of our manufacturing process is still manual. It's, um, it's actually pretty awesome. Uh, the care and attention that we really do take. Huh. Now, relatedly, you've said bag balm is made in Vermont. 
What does that mean? Flesh that out for us. Totally. So we have our factory um, in Lindenville where 85% of our products are made. Um, and that building actually was also built in the 1800s. We haven't been in there since, since then, but, um, and that's where our original formula, our tins, um, is the majority, um, of our business still. And then we, we do a few other things there, but then we also do have some contract manufacturing partners in the state for some of our innovation who, you know, are best, best in class skincare innovators. So we obviously source ingredients and materials throughout the US and globally. Hmm. There's certain ingredients you just fundamentally can't get here. Hmm. Um, but all of our, you know, production is done in our factory in Lindenville or um, at our partners' factories in the state. I know you guys are a pretty small team. I know mm-hmm. you have an extensive history, but it's still a bit surprising to me that you're able to produce enough product in Lindenville, Vermont. Uh-huh. Should yeah. I be surprised We're by this? Dial- uh, I, you know, maybe, maybe it's hard, right? I'm biased. I'm not surprised because now, because we do it, but, um, we, I think what helps is we aren't an overly complicated, pro- like, hmm. again, like our whole brand ethos is like, let's not overcomplicate this. And so I think that helps mm-hmm. tremendously. Um, but also we've just really dialed it in. You learn a lot when you've been in business this long. And actually our plant manager, uh, has been with us for 25 years. Amazing. Mm. Uh, I am always shocked. I will ask him the most random question. And I'm like, there is no way he's going to remember this like very specific thing from 2015. Mm. He's like, Oh yeah, you know, we used to work. And I'm like, how do you keep all of this Mm. in there? But he does. He's, he's awesome, but he's also worked there for a long time. So he is just. He's dialed it in. He knows how to make it a smooth operating um, operation. Hmm. A smoothly <laughs> operating operation. That's good. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, that wasn't. This is. This is why you get paid the big bucks. <laughs> I'm very, very creative with my words. Choice, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd, I'd say something like maybe we should blame the Bar Hill Gin. Shout out, shout out to another beloved Vermont company that you and I are both very fond of. But um, I, I don't know. I, know. I, I can't speak for you. I'm just sitting here drinking coffee on this Friday during the work day. You shamed, you shamed me yeah. last time. I was like, I'm coming prepared. I got to represent my Vermont. I love it. My fellow Vermont businesses. I love it. Bagbomb has uh, been rolling out some new products. And just talk a little bit about that. I think... Uh, when you went so many decades, maybe not just keeping one, because, you know, I just learned there used to be hoof softener, (laughs) but, but, but it still feels a little surprising, you know, because it feels pretty recent to me where I'm seeing Mm -hmm. some, some more of these things. So talk a bit about the process for that. Um, and how do you decide let's move into this category or stay out of it? Totally. So, you know, there's so much opportunity for our core formula with people, um, and that's always a focus for us. But some of those barriers for folks, um, if you've used our product, which you have, you know, it has like a very distinct smell. It is not, we don't put that in. Uh, so another thing we try to do mm. as little of is, is adding 
things to cover up. Like that's just how the ingredients smell. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, it's funny though, when we ask, we ask people about it, cause we get, I mean, people love the smell or they're like, yeah, like it works so good that I'm willing to like, let it go. Huh. But like, if you could remove that, that'd be cool. <laughs> um, so one of the areas that we, you know, knew would be a really big value to our consumers was something that was truly fragrance free. So not putting a bunch of stuff in there to make it not smell, Hmm. but just choosing ingredients that are effective, but also happen to have as little fragrance naturally as possible. And um, so like our, we have a moisturizing lotion. So obviously our original formula is kind of a heavy duty bomb, like, and the lotion is more of what you, uh, it's a lotion, daily use type of lotion. Um, it's a shea, shea butter is sort of its, its really hero ingredient, but that's a fragrance free option. We also launched a, um, a new lip product actually just a year ago mm-hmm. that's vitamin E. Um, it's still a petrol atom base, but it just is fragrance free. As you can imagine, people are like, I want to put you all over my lips, but it's very close to my nose. So when there's this mm. distinct scent, <laughs> And that, honestly, that item has been great for us. The, the response to it was insane. And again, you know, it's five ingredients. We, we aren't trying to pack it full of things if we can avoid it. So I think that's been an area for innovation for us. But before we don't just say, all right, just take out the thing that smells and that'll be good enough. It's like, well, no, it still has to deliver on an expectation that our core fans have while we try to go get new consumers because it can't one of the hardest things about managing a heritage brand Mm -hmm. is like staying true to all the things everyone knows and loves but still like remaining relevant and keeping up with the with the times Mm -hmm. you know um and that can be whether it's ingredients or the way you manufacture or the way you distribute whatever it's really it's a really hard balance and it's um something i think we're always sort of like truly we are balancing it but i think as we innovate we always think back to does this alienate our core and but does it deliver the bag bomb promise like does this product deliver the same effectiveness that someone expects expects from our original formula and so you know extending into a fragrance free sort of is seems it's very it's a quick like adjacent yeah. offering. Uh, and we're, we're about skincare, you know, that you could go into, we sort of dabbled in some CBD stuff for a bit, but like we really honed in on like our roots are in skincare. What we wanted to do is deliver moisturizing skincare. Mm-hmm. So that's part of every brief. Yeah. Um, and we test it. So all of our people test it. All of our friends and family test it. We seek out, you know, um, loyalists to, to test products before we go live. And then, you know, the other area we've, we've been innovating in is the skincare is like a process, right? You're, you cleanse, you moisturize. And so, um, soap is another space. Um, certainly bar soap is also just, I feel like really had, is having a moment has been. Wait, 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 say more about that. I had, that's because I'm, I, I'm I'm a bar soap guy. And but I didn't okay. know that I'm on trend right now, so I'm delighted You're to hear this. So trendy. I should just always so assume trendy. I'm just absolutely right there, should, cutting edge of the so trend. Hip. Yeah, yeah. But, so hip. so no, I I literally didn't. I've never heard this. Bar soap is having oh, a yeah. moment. Yeah, I think part of it is, um, as you would imagine, a lot of like liquid body washes have a lot of water. Um, that's how they're liquid. Uh, or glycerin, some you know, is used also, but um, it just also is like 
you don't get as much yeah. like in terms of value it can feel yeah, yeah. like you're not getting as yeah. much so i think uh, and then environmentally you know the bar soap is gone like it's not like you then have yeah. this bottle so i think those are probably two big ones huh. um recently and truthfully i wasn't really a bar soap gal until i worked here um not for any reason other than i just wasn't i've always felt like it dried my skin out um hmm. and so i just thought us, it was i thought you weren't because you were less cool than me <laughs> i mean i'm definitely less cool i think that's apparent <laughs> in my word choice i'm not sure it's it's pretty it's we're neck and neck um okay but that that actually does make sense i honestly just hadn't really thought about that the you were not yeah. you're not throwing out a, a bottle at the end right. i was i my i actually went first to kind of the when you're just adding a bunch of water and then shipping this stuff around the world just starting to right. think about like that's become more and more of a thing right whether it's laundry totally. detergents or yeah okay so anyway sorry for that totally. that interruption that's okay um no it's good you need to know when you're on trend I so i'm happy to bring that appreciate that very much <laughs> bring that too. Yeah. but that's that's an area that we um are we I think we launched in 2019, but we're, we're really starting to get a little more traction now. And I think, again, like it's just taking the things you love about bag bomb and adding it to the step that we already know you're doing. Um, and so trying to take all of those simple, effective ingredients, but like resulting in a moisturizing mm -hmm. experience. So you don't, especially because a lot of our, I mean, we have, we're a national brand. We're used literally in every state. But where we over-index is in really dry places. So to then use a bar soap that just further dries you out is a, I mean, you got to use a lot more back bomb, but wouldn't it be nice if you could just be moisturizing while you're cleansing and then still use your bag bomb? Um, so that's new, newer. The soap we're, we're innovating with, um, some, some variations on the, our core soap. And we are exploring also, um, body wash so what's interesting is like i think we did a survey and 45 percent of people use both huh. bar soap and body wash. i'm like these are really clean people yeah like kudos yeah <laughs> you want to um, give those people hugs yeah. Yeah. yeah but uh i do think that that's pretty telling for in terms of like staying relevant and delivering something our brand promise in those different categories just feels feels right um for us, as long as we do it right, which mm -hmm. I don't know, which we're on several iterations on some of our NPD. We're sticklers. Sarah, Sarah and I are the gatekeepers. So we're, we're a tough crowd. Huh. <laughs> the bar soap I've tried from Bag Bomb is the exfoliating. And that is some yeah. seriously exfoliating bar soap. Let me, that's my, yeah, that's my review. Like you guys, <laughs> you guys no are. Joke. Other people might be, you know, coming soft when they're making claims of exfoliation. <laughs> you guys, I love, I love that product because um, we started developing it. Uh, it was in 2020, so it was like very. Um, we were all remote, and uh, my my family my owns a construction company, so I, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of hand wash it we my dad always used like that i don't even remember what it's called it's like an orange pump bottle and it has like this intense stuff to get grease off your yeah. hands my dad doesn't care about skincare okay, he's, okay I'm, he's, I'm, I can... he's a bridge he's a bridge builder like he's like whatever 
And he said, he's like, I literally don't give a shit about my soap, but this, I will never use mm. anything else. Um, which I was like, Oh, yeah. like dad. Yeah. Um, but it is definitely when we say exfoliating, like we're delivering on exfoliation. Yes, you we're are. Definitely not. Yeah. We're definitely not trying to, to, uh, sweet talk you. It's, it's real. You will be exfoliated. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's really true. I want to get back to something that you were bringing up a bit of a, I, it's, it's, it's a conundrum for virtually any business, I think. But it gets real interesting when you start talking about companies that have, you know, a greater than a hundred year long history. And um, I, I actually, I, I spend a good bit of time thinking about why certain brands rise and fall, right? Mm -hmm. And, or they're virtually every company, right, is going to have sort of peak times and then they're going to be weathering storms or trying to correct out of certain mistakes and setbacks or, um, economic situations, all of this stuff. And mm -hmm. a while ago, I realized that, um, and it's, it's due to this whole blister craft collective we have in this crafted podcast, as I'm thinking and looking at identifying a number of different sort of craft categories, mechanical watches, like watches, that is very much a craft category, right? Where there's this high emphasis on the the quality of the craftsmanship and the rest. But it also turns out that a number of the better known or legacy watch manufacturers that are still extremely relevant today, they also have these hundred year or longer histories. Mm. And so while you were talking I started thinking I, for the first time in my life, like, oh, Bagbomb <laughs> kind of shares this in common, frankly, with some companies like Rolex or Vacheron mm -hmm. Constantin and like these companies with long histories. And, and as I've heard people in the watch world talk about, you know, a company that's been making a mechanical watch for over 100 years, what do they come out with today? That sort of feels new, but feels like it is in line with a history. And I, I, I'll get to the question in a second, but I, I, I want to maybe get some more of your thoughts on this because the fact is once we start a brand, we did just narrow the kind of realm that, that consumers will kind of accept. Like if you guys came up with the, with the bag balm smoothie, <laughs> I'm not sure that that would, you know, become the new uh, smoothie drink, uh, the preferred smoothie drink. Um, I don't know. You can try that one. That's a free one for you. Um, you can, <laughs> oh, awesome. You can market. We'll make it taste like it smells. It tastes exactly like it smells. That's the whole. Yeah. <laughs> but but help us think about that because you are kind of at the helm of this 125 year old company, and how do you? Not say avoid you've avoid the trap of resting on your laurels, still mm, look mm -hmm. to be doing things like find opportunities where you can bring value to the market, maybe in new ways, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. I think you get the the point, but this is yeah. sort of much easier said than done. It strikes me, yeah, <laughs> totally. So I actually worked on um another heritage brand early, early in my career, champion athletic oh, wear. Yeah. Obviously, it's been around a really yeah. long time as well. And 
it was such a so I was there 2010 to 2013 and it I mean now champion is like again like at this like a pinnacle right uh, I mean I mean they invented the hoodie right man like you uh it's iconic American heritage yeah. you know but I um so much of like our chat I was on the brand team there and so much of our challenge was how do we tell this like make this legacy the fact that we have this much history matter and important and like give you a reason to believe Mm. um in it and we we tried some things like we did um there's a lot of and and they're still doing it you know a lot of collaborations with like high-end designers and things like like really pushing the fashion boundary but still like we were a the average like the whole thing of champion was like we accept like it's not as crazy intense sports brand it was like we're the everybody's brand like Uh everyone's champion and uh it was interesting it's interesting you know to then be at a business like this that has even more more history obviously a totally different category fashion is like a very different as you know it's just a totally different beast um but yeah i mean i think for us too, the team that works on the business is so important too. Um, and understanding like what we're about. And, um, I mean, we are, we're definitely a small team. We all do a million things. Mm. Um, but everyone like fundamentally loves this product and this business and understand that like, we're not just trying to double the business and you know, whatever happens happens. It's like, no, we all take an immense amount of pride in the fact that, a you know, family ran this for 115 years mm-hmm. and the legacy the brand has. Um, I, I certainly don't want to be the one that, yeah. <laughs> that makes anyone question that, right. Mm-hmm. That we're headed in the wrong direction or, and I think that's honestly, you know, we've, when you think about innovation, we've explored. So we've definitely never gone on the smoothie route for sure, but we haven't like we, when we brainstorm, we do sort of really push the limits. And I think we've just settled on like what we really feel like we uniquely can deliver. And if that means our, you know, our world is this big, like our, the other challenge is just explaining to different people how we can be relevant to your lives. So if you're not slugging every night, what else do we make sense for for you um and but that's also in itself hard right like trying to say i am for your grandma's cracked heels and i'm for jonathan's blisters that he gets from his ski boots and i'm for this young beauty enthusiast crowd you're like but are you really yeah 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 right (laughs) um and so our approach is certainly trying to reach those people authentically not just like pepper with ads or because because our our whole thing is like once you use us you're either in or you're out Mm -hmm. like we and that's that's okay right like that's okay Mm. um but we wouldn't still be around if we didn't work so i think that's also there's a something about that that feels like it will true it's already stood the test of time it's going to be here another 125 years Mm. i probably won't be sadly I don't know. Uh, but you never know. You <clears throat> never know. You start slugging every night and I hear it'll add 125 <laughs> years onto your life. Yeah. Oh, new that's what, campaign. That's what new TikTok, campaign. TikTok taught me oh. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. 
I know we've just got done saying that there's like a whole lot of uses for this product, but for people who are newer to Bag Bomb, what do you say or how do you say this? Like it, it, maybe somebody who's literally never used the product, heard of it maybe, but mm -hmm. never used it. Mm -hmm. Do you have like, okay, look, while it can be used for a thousand things, it tends, there are kind of two or three use cases mm -hmm. where we think this is the broadest application for as, as you have learned who your mm -hmm. customer base is and the rest. Do you, do you have some, it's like, not all thousand uses are being used the equal amount, maybe, or something like that. Help us on that front. For sure. Yeah. I mean, our almost 50%, like when we survey our current base, almost 50%, it's dry crack skin. Uh, that's it. Like if you're, um, you know, like the cracks, you know, like the really deep rough. Yeah. stuff. And I mean, I, I, um, like that's the, I feel like what people usually say nothing else worked. Um, and so that I think, and that, that goes back literally to 1899, yeah, yeah. dry cracked cow udders. Yeah. Like it's, I think that the, so much of that is from how we were started too. Um, but that is for sure the number one thing we hear. Um, but then the next is like skin irritations, chafing, rashes, things like that. I mean, we aren't, you know, uh, claiming to solve any of those things, but I, like, I think the chafing one is, is one that we just, I was shocked when that was the second highest use. Um, and then lips. Lips is like the third. So like when you think the, the top three uses from our current yeah. user base, which obviously spans like 10 to 100 yeah. year olds, right? Yeah. Like a really big audience. Um, and it's way like a couple that we then blisters. We get, um, I feel like that's the next one. And then, and then it's like animal and pet care. But what's cool is like so many people love that they just can use the same thing. Mm -hmm. They use it on them and their pet. Mm. And while it used to be so like livestock focused, certainly the majority of our pet use now is like household pets or dogs that you're hiking with mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, I mean, people definitely have pet cows. Pet go we do actually get a lot of goat usage pet too goats? still. Goat, I feel pet like, goat usage like, way up there for homesteading. Like, especially when COVID was like 2020, it was, I feel like a lot of people started, you know, just investing more in their home and chickens. I had chickens a long time ago before I worked here, actually. It was terrible, but. <laughs> it was, it you were not into that. raising chickens? You know, I, it was so cool. But then three of them were like massacred by this like animal. And it was so sad. I was like, <laughs> so sad and it's so hard because my husband's like we have a two and a half year old daughter he's like she'd love it like they have chickens at school and i was like i can't emotionally do it wow <laughs> i know <laughs> uh, i remember i remember when it happened my coworker was like you know those they're like utilitarian animals and i was like i know but like i didn't have pets growing up like this was like my first you know when we got them as chicks they were like in the house yeah. with us you know yeah this this anyway. this got really this this got really emotional for you. <laughs> I didn't I didn't see this part coming in the podcast, but uh, two 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 relevant stories here. Uh, this Monday we are posting a blister podcast that is all about grieving. It's literally all and like a seventy minute conversation about grieving. 
that's kind of amazing. And I now feel like mm. maybe you should listen to this. Given sounds like I should. Yeah. Um, the other thing, um, Kara Williard, one of our senior editors and senior reviewers at Blister, she and her now fiance, she just got engaged in Nepal, uh, but they oh. have a five acre farm down in Gunnison. And they, one of the things they do is raise chickens. And we've talked about this on some different blister podcasts, but Kara has an emotional support chicken. <laughs> and I feel like you could relate to this. Kara, yeah. I feel you. Yeah. I feel you. <laughs> now, my last question related to chickens and bag bomb is again, forgive my ignorance, but what the hell, what are we doing with bag bomb and chickens? Oh, comb. They're combs. Like the, the combs. <laughs> Wait. Just for looks or that? Like, no, no, like, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is this for TikTok? No. What is happening? <laughs> no, they're combs. Like, it helps with frostbite and stuff. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That was, that was. Do you feel like you've learned much more about livestock than you ever thought yeah. or animals, uh, I, farm I, animals I, than you I, ever thought you were going to? I'm totally indebted to you. I'm totally indebted <laughs> so to glad. you. Okay, so, so bag bomb on the combs. All right. I'm going to ask Kara about this. I want to know if she's taking care of her chickens properly. If she doesn't, she better. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she asked you now. No excuses. <laughs> Damn. I literally just asked you if that was just for fashion or like, <laughs> shit. I'm really outing myself <laughs> as not. Remember when I said we're like a pretty practical. Uh... Yeah. So <laughs> Very not, seldom. Not really. Brand, not <laughs> really for TikTok showing okay we do our best we definitely have a presence and we engage with our fans there because certainly we get lots of you do uh, you're hot there. hot yeah. hot tiktok brand uh, amazing totally. yeah amazing yes, totally hey we've gone a really long time into this conversation and you've hinted at a couple of the things but i think it would be interesting um to hear more about just your own background from sort of where you grew up to what your mm -hmm. career has looked like um to get you to where you are today and to be in a position to be drawing on, I think, a pretty interesting company history to try to mm -hmm. then navigate your current ship uh, into the future. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm actually sitting uh, in my grandparents' house. Huh. I bought my grandparents. They bought this property in 77, um, built their house. And my parents, where I grew up, is right next door. So we are like stereotypical, uh, small town, <laughs> small town story, which is awesome. But it's, I'm so fortunate that I got to grow up in such an awesome place and that I get to still live my life here. And hopefully my daughter gets that choice too. And, um, so yeah, I grew up literally here in Hinesburg, Vermont. Hmm. And, um, you know, I studied business and went to grad school for marketing, I actually, um, played college lacrosse hmm. and, for a minute, I thought I might be a coach. Hmm. And then I um, I actually was coaching a travel high school team when I was in grad school. I went to Emerson College in Boston. Hmm. I just was walking by Emerson, like Monday. Uh, yeah, so yeah, literally. It's totally different now. It's totally different than it was when I was there even. But um, and one of the dads, uh, you know, he was asking me when, on one of the trips, like, what are you, what are you going to do? And it's like, uh, it's like that. Good, good, good question. question. Yeah. But I knew, I mean, I grew up my, you know, in an entrepreneurial family and I kind of knew business was, I'm tutored math, like, you know, and, uh, but I also sports were such a big part of my life and, um, I always played team sports mm. and, 
uh, he was like, you know, I have a friend who works at Hanes Brands and they own Champion. And I was like, okay, uh, cool. <laughs> and he was like, send me your resume and stuff. And I was like, all right. Like, I mean, obviously, I, of course I will, but I definitely didn't expect anything to come of it. I actually love this story because my, um, uh, so he sent my, my staff and he was, I, I honestly can't even, was he the president at the time of the company hmm. for like the outerwear division? And he sent it to the team that was hiring for the role I ended up getting hired for. And they like, they were like, nah, not because of anything other just than like it had been, they had been referred people and it just wasn't worthwhile. And they told me this story, obviously, after they hired me. Um, and, uh, I guess he followed up on it a couple of times. They're like, oh, let's just interview her. So like, yeah. we can respond and <laughs> not lie. And, uh, I ended up talking to my future boss for an hour and a half. Um, it was a brand, it was in the brand team. So it was very much about like brand equity and what you stand for and advertising and supporting that. And we talked for an hour and a half and she was like, when can you fly down here? And, uh, I was like, uh, I mean, anytime, really. Uh, they were based in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So I flew down and interviewed, and uh, then they wanted me to come down a second time. They were like, we want you to look at some apartments and like hmm. see like if you would live here. Hmm. I was like, oh, shit. All right. So, uh, <laughs> it's getting real. And, uh, it was, and, I mean, I didn't think I was going to leave New England. Like, I grew up my whole family is here and i ended up getting the job and i was like i just remember calling my mom i was like i'm moving i'm gonna move to north carolina she's like well you are not it's like well I... <laughs> uh and yeah so i moved there worked for champion for three years actually met my husband there hmm. and it was awesome it was really cool so wake forest is in winston-salem yeah. i feel like that's well and winston-salem's also known for like cigarettes and things that's that yeah there's that too. Uh, it was awesome. It was amazing. First, I mean, obviously huge company. I learned so much, worked with amazing people and got, you know, we sponsored like us lacrosse. So that was, I was just coming out of playing college lacrosse. So I was like, this is like the dream. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, my siblings, uh, lived here and started having kids. And I was like, Oh man, like I can't, I cannot be there. And so I started sort of just looking around and I ended up getting recruited by Keurig. Mm -hmm. um, it was Keurig Green Mountain then, yep. Dr. Pepper now, Keurig Dr. Pepper now. And it happened real fast. And my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, I was like, so I just got offered this job. Like, I'm going to, I'm going. Are you coming? And he was like, uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and <laughs> so we did. <laughs> and uh, he moved up here. It was like negative 20. Perfect. He, felt like negative 20 and he was like i didn't even know nose hairs could freeze this is shocking for me <laughs> but he made it he's still here uh i so i worked at keurig for five and a half years amazing experience mm. so i started there they were still public they went private went back public mm. i went through the merger with dr pepper um and uh it was awesome because i you know i had this brand marketing experience and then i went sort of so like very consumer facing. And then I went sort of a earlier into innovation and it was like looking at new business opportunities mm -hmm. three to five years out. Mm -hmm. And I got, I traveled to Paris and China and got to talk to consumers there. And it was awesome. Really cool, unique experience. And uh, I ended up moving to um, commercialize one of their innovations. 
Um, actually the woman who had interviewed me moved and then she was like, Hey, I need some help doing this. So I went over there for a while, which was basically the experience of taking this great idea. And then how does that actually mm-hmm. come to life? Which as we all know, it rarely comes to life exactly how you think it will. Uh, <laughs> and that was, um, also quite an experience that ended up, um, uh, rolling off into a joint venture with Anheuser-Busch's which was cool. And then I moved to coffee and I, I managed, um, Newman's own organics was a licensed coffee business, um, which was awesome. I mean, it's a mission driven coffee, obviously. Um, and really cool, um, big, big coffee business. And I also worked on this brand called laughing man coffee, Hmm. um, which at the time was, um, Hugh Jackman was involved in. So that was really unique experience. And we got to go to Columbia and visit coffee farms and, the whole brand, you know, is built on giving back. Like it was fair trade coffee and it was literally deploying funds to, to the exact places where the coffee for the brand was grown, um, which was amazing, amazing experience. And then I moved to, uh, sales strategy, customer marketing type thing before I left. And actually the woman who hired me originally at Keurig had left before, um, and went to this company called Vermont smoking cure, small private equity owned, uh, snack sticks, like jerky meat Mm -hmm. sticks. Uh, and she recruited me over there and, um, it was big, it was a big change for me. Obviously I'd worked at two huge companies and it's always like, it was scary, right? It was like a scary feeling of like there's security and insecurity at big companies, but, um, did it. I went and I was like, man, I could never not be in a small business again. Like it was awesome. We, you know, built a business, sold a business Mm. to one of the largest meat companies Mm. in the country. And it was so cool. Like all the things you get to see when you're at a smaller business compared to like, I learned everything I learned before then prepared me for it, but I didn't really know all the visibility you end up having. And then this, this opportunity with with bag bomb came up um we had a semi relationship with them um every small business does like yeah. what's so cool about vermont is there's a million small businesses and there's always going to be there's just like so many innovators um but everyone even if you work in totally different categories your challenges are fundamentally the yeah. same like yeah. it's hard as a small business to compete to continue to grow to withstand economic hardships what have you um but anyway, there was a chance to to take the general manager role of this of bag bomb, and I was four months pregnant, and I was like, "Well, <laughs> no time like right now. Oh, Let's do it." <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and then I so yeah, I've been here um, since it was January twenty twenty one. I took this role. My daughter was born in April, and it's been a while. It's been a wild mm. ride, but it's. It's really cool. I mean, I, I can't pretend it's not a lot of pressure, especially as a Vermonter to yeah. be like, you know, this is an iconic, not just an iconic Vermont brand, an iconic American brand. Yep, that's right. Um, but uh, it's cool. We've built an awesome team and we're seeing tremendous growth and it's really fun mm. to learn all the, the people's stories about us mm. and their experiences with us. As part of our 125th anniversary, we sort of had this call to our fans, like, tell us your stories throughout 2024 we want to be telling them and they're amazing stories and certainly the fact that we're still made here everyone's based here um it's not family owned it was you know family owned until 2014 we're private equity owned now but um no it's i mean it's awesome 
It really is. And it's cool. I've, my career has been, if I could, you never, I never would have predicted. Yeah. <laughs> I never predicted I'd be living in my grandparents' old house mm-hmm. <laughs> and that I'd be um, doing this. And I can't imagine not mm-hmm. doing it. Um, and the people that you get to meet in the small business community here is, is amazing. Um, and just being able to engage with them on challenges they're having and how do you help each other out? Cause so much of it ends up being like a talent. It's hard to get the talent you need. Yeah. And Vermont is like a funky way of life. Yeah. Like you gotta be in it. I remember when they recruited me to carry they were like, we just love that you're from here. So you already know what you're getting. <laughs> you already know. And that. I was like, Oh, I know what I'm getting. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I'm moving back in with my parents. Yeah. I know exactly. What I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I think it's such a cool just work history you have. Um it and it and it seems like a real asset just the different types of companies that you got to work with and mm-hmm. and and help them guide and navigate their own sets of concerns and the variables and to bring that now to Bagbalm and I really really like what you said. It's I know there's a lot. I mean god, I always talk about Vermonters love everything in Vermont more than the rest of us love anything. Like it's kind of insane. Um, but I know there is that pride, um, to talk about, you know, managing a Vermont company, but then you said, and also a legacy American company. And I think that's exactly right. And, um, these crafted podcast conversations we have are really so fun. Sometimes they are really heavy on the kind of artistry side of things, but I love getting into the stories of how the origin stories of a brand and how a company evolves over time. And mm-hmm. we just don't, I mean, America, we're a young, a young country, right? So we don't have that many companies that can boast of something like a 125 year history. And, and, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So in addition to being a fascinating story about a product that works really, really well for some things and has found use cases and customers that never would have been imaginable, (laughs) right? Some years ago, (laughs) um, all of this is just great. And, and I, Libby, I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of walk us through, uh, this very interesting history of this very interesting company. Well, thanks. Thanks for giving me the chance to. It's it's fun to talk about. As you can tell, yeah, yeah. I love it. I, it's a lot of fun. It's pretty fun. <laughs> but I should let you get going. And uh, so um, we'll, we'll, we'll sign off for now. But um, good luck with all of it as you continue to, uh, yeah, bring Bag Balm into the start of its next 125 years. No pressure. Yeah, thanks. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Libby. Thanks again, and we'll thanks. talk to you soon. Thanks, Jonathan. Well, that's it for this edition of Crafted. I want to say thanks so much to Libby for the great conversation. And for all of you who are coming to our Blister Summit, well, Bag Bomb is going to be there. We might have a shot of getting Libby out there, too. Libby and I had a conversation once we got done recording. I think we got a shot. Come to the summit. Right now, I'd say you got an 80% chance of actually getting to meet Libby, and that is something that you want to have happen in your life. But there is a 100% chance that you are going to be able to sample a range of Bag Balm products. So 
that's reason number like 1,040 why you should not miss this upcoming Blister Summit. That is in Crested Butte, Colorado, and it's taking place this coming February 4th through the 8th, 2024. Wow, there was an impromptu discussion about the summit. I didn't see that coming. Anyway, come to the summit. You'll get to check out Bag Balm, and you'll also get to hang out with the strikingly handsome Justin Bob, who happened to produce this very podcast episode. So thanks, as always, to J-Bob. Thanks to you for listening. And we will talk to all of you again, well, actually, tomorrow, because tomorrow we drop episode number one of our new Blister movie podcast called Blister Cinematic. That's going to be a fun one. Me and Cody Townsend breaking down the movie NAR. Don't miss it, folks. We'll catch you over on Blister Cinematic tomorrow. <laughs>